You are listening to Authentic Falconer, a podcast that promotes falconry, conservationism, and collaborates with real authentic falconers. My name is Mike Bordenero, master falconer and co-owner of a bird abatement company called The Hawk Pros. I'm sitting down with falconers to discuss hunting and training techniques, lessons they have learned, and obstacles they have overcome through their falconry experiences. And of course, the always entertaining stories that come along with falconry. That part didn't go over well. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, she uh, she was quite attached to Joe. Yeah. Mm. Well, she was imprinted. Yeah. <laughs> she liked me. Yeah. <laughs> You had a um, a male um, golden called unit six pounds, really small. You were yeah. telling me. Yeah. Uh, I read a little. Um, the unit. Yeah, like I read some. Yeah, I read yeah. some cool stuff about him. And uh, gosh, I, I got some notes here that says you caught over three hundred jacks with this. Guy. Oh yeah. yeah. And uh, he uh, rehab bird turned loose, and um, very small, which is it's funny, you know, people contact me and go, oh, I'm going to be able to go trapping. What do you think I should get? The biggest thing? No, no, no. The one you want to trap is the shrimpiest midget starving to death (laughs) eagle on the telephone pole that's barely making it. Uh What? Well, you got to carry that bird. (laughs) So, you know, the unit was, yeah, he flew at six pounds, which is awesome. Um, And he wasn't fast. He just had a move at the end and would just Mm -hmm. catch jackrabbits like a machine. I mean, I named him after Randy Johnson, the, you know, the pitcher, the unit, the mm-hmm. big unit, they call him, because <laughs> he was like a machine. Anyway, the unit. Yeah, he was a cool bird. Caught a lot of jackrabbits with him. It wasn't that much fun. No. Because there was no excitement. He just, voom, 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 caught one. Hmm. Oh, it says, I've, I just remembered, um, the first jack that he caught, do you remember the story when you went up to him? It says that uh, he tried to attack your face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, in the, in the early days, um, I had a 10-foot cone of death around him. If you walked within 10 feet of him, he was leaving the rabbit and coming right at your face. And I don't know where that came from. Um, obviously, you know, defending his food or maybe yeah. in the rehab center, I don't know. But he eventually got over that and became a very tame bird. But, yeah, he was... Uh, I remember having people with me. I'm like, no, 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 just stay over here. Yeah. <laughs> because, yeah, well, since it was the first it. one, you didn't know that he was going to react that way. You know, yeah. and just like, like whoa. <laughs> Good thing I have a big glove. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then you have the um, Jack Hammer, which I saw, which Jack is Hammer. the, uh, she's also an imprint. Correct? She is. Yep. Full on imprint. She, yeah. Do we want to tell the story? Well, for, first, we need to. <laughs> The reason that she's a full-on imprint is um, she was still a downy when she came into rehab, and she had such a bad case of aspergillosis that she lived in a nebulizer for three months. Oh my gosh! To get over it, and you can only imagine—I mean, here's this bird in a box, basically, and having to be handled continuously, 
because she was so sick. So she, um, Joe calls it what a misprint. She was imprinted malprint or, to yeah. hate people yeah, just, because she didn't know they were trying to save her. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, well, at the time, him, 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 I get to tell <laughs> this. So for 12 years, Jackhammer was a male. And that's why the name Jackhammer is not a female Someone name. Someone on the right? internet named yeah, him. Yeah, yeah. Because I didn't know what to call him. I was just calling him the eagle. Yeah. And I asked on my journal, yeah, you know, somebody, and I can't remember who it was, came up with Jackhammer. Yeah. Like, oh, that's cool. I'll take that. Well, so over those 12 years, Joe wrote numerous articles about you know, the advantages of flying a male golden eagle <laughs> and their style of flying versus a female style of flying and blah, blah, blah. And uh, one evening we were sitting on our deck and overlooking the muse and the, the eagles were still perched out and Jack Hammer was on the ground next to the perch and just like, it looked like she was, he at the time was like plucking grass or doing something odd. And I said, Joe, what? what is Jackhammer doing? And Joe started walking over to the, the weathering yard and um, just totally joking around. I said, ha, oh, you know, maybe he laid an egg. And Joe walked over to the fence and he's just standing there completely quiet. And uh, I said, what's the matter? He, said, he laid an egg. <laughs> and there was this egg in the grass. And, um, you know, Joe was, well, we were both just I in total shock. There was a female perch next to him. I thought she fired one out and it just rolled <laughs> yeah, over there. Yeah, but <laughs> no, it, uh, it was hers. So, it, it took us a year to get used to calling him, him At her. that point, yeah. her. I, had a, I had a huge decision to make because my friends would have crucified me if I didn't say anything and owned up to it. Mm -hmm. And they found out it would have just been... It had been funny, but it had been all over. At your expense. At my expense. <laughs> so I decided to immediately own up on it and say, hey, you know what? She flies like a male. She's, yeah. Her flying weight's eight pounds, so she's not a huge female by any stretch. Mm -hmm. Yeah, she's kind of in that gray zone. She's just a unique bird yeah. in the sense that if it's moving, she's going to go after it. And, and in my experience, female golden eagles aren't that way. Mm. They're more selective. You know, full-on imprints are different, but... They're more selective, and, you know, they're like, well, that, that rabbit kind of turned left, and it's, I'm not really interested. Oh, that one I'll catch. Mm -hmm. And then they catch it, yeah. and they make you drop your jaw because you're like, holy mackerel, why didn't you do that 10 yeah. rabbits ago? Yeah. But, but Jackhammer is not that way. If it's moving, she's going after it mm -hmm. with extreme attitude. So that's how males are. Yeah. So, you know, so it's, <laughs> I'm trying to defend myself here, and I think I'm doing a really good job. <laughs> that's our cat in the background yeah. oh poor guy it's a very old yeah. cat um i read about uh jack hammer how she wasn't motivated as for as much as the food that you had to get back but she was more motivated for the hunt yep uh, just the chase and, uh, uh jack hammer a lot of eagles get this way but maybe not to the degree of jack hammer for instance you know i take these trips to kansas and you know, she would fly, catch four to five, maybe six rabbits a day. And, you know, if she missed a rabbit, she'd come back for a, a piece of meat on my glove that was about the size of my fingernail and four out of five times just look at it and drop it. 
it was not about food motivation. It was just, and golden eagles are very much this way. They just love to fly and hunt. And when you get one, when it becomes your hunting partner, um, and they understand what you're doing, they're very dog-like in the sense that they just, like Widow. Mm-hmm. I mean, we were talking today. Widow, you know, she's up, you know, 1,500 feet, whatever it was, 1,100. She could go anywhere she wants to go. Yeah. Literally. And she's a golden eagle. She can eat anything she wants to eat, but she wants to do what we're doing. Mm-hmm. And off the fist and in the fist, I know, you know, there's some great eagle falcons, falconers out there, Chase Dells, Tony oh. Suffordini. They'll tell you the same thing. It's they just they just love to pursue prey. That's what they love to do. It's not about food. You got to get them at flying weight. But after that, like I'll go three weeks to Texas and never weigh a bird. Don't have to. Yeah. If they catch something and I feed, fed them two quail and they've eaten half a back leg of a jackrabbit, they'll still hunt the next morning. You know, cast up on a jackrabbit they caught and start eating. Hmm. So they're different, different kind of bird. Um, I know you fly all types of different birds. How would you say like the temperament or how would you kind of describe their um, demeanor as opposed to flying a falcon or a red tail or something? Well, of course, like Cordy already said, they're the king of the sky. So Mm. their demeanor is different. Golden eagles are very shy, Mm -hmm. all things considered. Um, But their demeanor is more, they'll intimidate you at some point. I get a lot of people contacting me saying, oh, I'm having some aggression issues. Well, what is your bird doing? Well, it was on my fist, and it just spread both wings and slapped me upside the head. <laughs> <laughs> just sending you a little message. Yeah. Ignore it. There's nothing you can do about it. But they, particularly the females, females are like, hey, you have all the food. I want it. Give yeah. it up now. I'm not going to work for it. Mm-hmm. Well, once they understand what you're doing, the work involves hunting and flying, then they become okay with it. So, you know, you're not going to have your falcon slap you upside the head, you know, box your ears, if you will. Yeah. I've never had one do that. No. <laughs> so, you know, it's a different, you know, you got, you have to earn their trust. Mm-hmm. You know, if you run around like an idiot, you're just not going to work. Yeah. You know. Um, so let's see here. She definitely hated people and showed no fear. This is on my notes here. And then you had a coyote experience with her. Oh, uh, jackhammer? Yeah. Yeah, I've had a few coyote experiences. The, the thing about jackhammer is, like, she was a misprint, malprint. And so she became very attached to me. Mm-hmm. And it was a problem because when I first started flying her, um, I was accused of faking the flights and using a frozen jackrabbit and, you know, saying, oh, that's the same picture you posted last week. So I started to take more and more people out in the field, and jackhammer, it's not unusual, it's like goshawks, was not thrilled about people in the field. But I wanted to go to meets, and I just told Cordy, I said, this is BS. This bird is too good a hunter. I'm just going to have people in the field. Eventually, she's a pig. She's going to want to (laughs) start catching rabbits. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and have everybody on the right side so she could see them, and she would only take rabbits that flushed to the left. And it was this whole process. Mm-hmm. Eventually, I knew that a rabbit's going to get up. Yeah. She's not going to be able to, you know, stand it and go out. So we got, we worked past that. But, you know, there's been her first flight ever, free flight, 
I was flying her off a hill on our ranch in Linden, California. And she was sitting up there and a coyote trotted by underneath this little rolling hill. And I was like, Ooh! you know, what's going to happen here? She flew down, she bound to it. And I'm running because mm-hmm. I don't want my eagle to get hurt. And I like coyotes. I don't particularly want to kill the coyote either. Yeah. And it was just like, you know, like when a Harris hawk grabs a jackrabbit, it's go thump, 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 mm-hmm. thump, you know, it's all over the place. And so I got there, as I was getting there, the coyote broke free. And now I'm about ready to die of a heart attack because it was a long run. <laughs> and I was running very fast. Well, Jackhammer goes after it and grabs it again. So I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm running. I'm just, you know, and I get there. She lets it go. And the coyote takes off. And the last thing I see is the coyote running and my eagle chasing it around this hill. And I'm like, you're on your own because I can't get there. <laughs> and so I walked up to the top of the hill to find Jackhammer sitting on a fence post, unhurt, but with a lot of hair on her talons. Yeah. So, you know, fortunately, nothing horrible went wrong that way. But, um, oh, and then her, when I took her down to the rabbit field, um, I roll up to see a guy with a German shepherd chasing oh gosh, jackrabbits yeah. all over the place. And I said... That kind of annoyed me because yeah. it was ruining my field. You don't have permission. I had permission. Yeah. I said, you don't have permission. You need to get out of here. And I said, besides which, I'm going to fly my eagle and she might kill your dog. Well, she's not going to kill a full-grown German Shepherd. But knowing Jackhammer, she's going to yeah. bind to it. Yeah. And, uh, oh, okay, okay. So he leaves. And I get, I'm like halfway out in the field. And all of a sudden, Jackhammer's looking back over my shoulder and the idiot turned the dog loose. Jackhammer leaves my fist and binds to the German Shepherd. Oh, no. And fortunately, it was a big enough dog. It broke loose, and I don't know what happened. The guy left, but, you know. That you was... gave him a fair warning. <laughs> and then exactly. I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> I guess he figured it out uh, <laughs> in yeah. the end. Oh, and one more yeah. quick story about Jackhammer. Very headstrong, very independent. Started, I'm down in Manteca, California. And she starts self-hunting because there's so many rabbits down there. She misses one. She starts seeing another one, you know. And so I'm chasing her all over the city of Manteca. Every vacant lot she's finding (laughs) jackrabbits in. Mm. Flying into backyards, landing. And Manteca is a lovely area, but there's a lot of people that are not so nice in Manteca. A lot of gang problems stuff. And I'm running up and down. This subdivision looking for my eagle, who is who is flying right down the middle of a four-lane road with cars diving off both ways, and she's like four feet off the ground over the yellow line. I'm just like, oh, she's gonna die. Whipped over a house, and I'm back there, and there's this guy standing leaning up against his porch. I go, hey, did you see a really big bird fly over here? He goes, and I look in the there's a little cyclone fence. Big pine tree, and there's Jackhammer sitting under the pine tree. And I'm like, oh, okay. And she's at the stage where she's not going to come to me. I'm going to have to jump on her. Oh. It's one of those deals. Okay. <laughs> so I'm over the fence, and I'm getting down on my hands and knees, and she's starting to lean away from me, and I hear dogs barking. <laughs> oh. And I'm like, and I see these two dogs running. Jackhammer flies out, and I barely get back over the fence. <laughs> And I go, I look at her, why didn't you tell me there's dogs in here? 
And he goes, well, I don't know. <laughs> so anyway, I found her, uh, you know, three subdivisions over, and I literally jumped on her. She was too tired to fly anymore, and I jumped on her. It's <laughs> a great bird. Yeah, it's a yeah. great, awesome bird. <laughs> well, you still have her. You still must yeah. love her. Yeah. yeah. Um, I wanted to talk to you guys about your Philippine uh, trip, Philippine island trip to film uh, Queen of the Jungle. Is that what it was called? Well, the, or is that the title of your article? That was the title yeah. of the article. Okay. This is Mike with a quick message. Make sure to subscribe. You won't want to miss out on our upcoming interviews. And also check out the full experience on our YouTube channel, Authentic Falconer. You won't regret it. And now, back to the episode. Um, well, you can tell the first part about being asked to go. Oh, um, so backtracking a little bit again, um, we were in Wyoming um, with two of our eagles working with Nat Geo to, oh, no, that was... Also, this is Cornell. Cornell. It was Cornell. They produced a film called Sagebrush Sea, which is about the sage um, ecosystem. ecosystem. And Thank sage you. grouse. And sage grouse and interaction with beautiful golden film. eagles. Absolutely beautiful. You can watch film. it on YouTube. It's, it's yeah. just awesome. It really is. So we were there, and the, the primary cinematographer was Neil Reddig. We first met him when we did Raptor Force. Mm -hmm. He was the cinematographer that. for that. And we've done numerous projects with him over the years. So anyway, we were, sit we were out in the middle of nowhere. We had two campers that we were uh, living in. And we were all sitting around one evening. We had our cook. Yeah, we had our own cook. Oh, awesome. nice. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. No, that was, yeah, that was the best shoot we've been on. Yeah. Um, no, so we're all sitting around one evening, and Neil looks over at Joe and says, you know, what would you think about training a, a Philippine eagle? And Joe is um, very much a homebody. He doesn't particularly like to travel. And his first reaction was, no, no way. That's too far away. I can't be gone, blah, 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 blah. And Neil was telling us more and more about this project because he, in the 60s, he had spent um, quite a bit of time in the Philippines with two other. Um, they weren't also cinematographers. Well, no. they were. They were all um, biologists, and they were studying the Philippine eagle. And Neil absolutely fell in love with this bird. It's a massive bird and absolutely stunning. It used and to be called the Philippine monkey, monkey eating eagle because that is. But they one thought of that the, was too. Too graphic. Yeah, I guess. or something. So he changed it. Um, but then, like a couple of decades later, he went back to the Philippines, took his wife, and he was in shock at the decline of the habitat and the dwindling numbers of this bird. So he pitched to Cornell to uh, film a documentary on this bird, have it shown worldwide, bring awareness to it. It is the rarest eagle in the world. There anywhere from 200 to 300 birds left total. And that Which includes, that includes yeah. those that are living at, in the Philippine Eagle Foundation. Um, anyway, so he pitches this to Joe. And that evening, after we all kind of dispersed, I, I took Neil aside and I said, you know, 
this sounds amazing. It's too important a project. If this all comes about, Joe will be there. And <laughs> I didn't know this. <laughs> so, you know, and then we kind of forgot about it. But it was, I think, over a year later, we get a call. Okay, the Philippine Eagle Project is a go. And Joe's like panicked. <laughs> well, the thing, uh, there was like multiple conference calls. And at the beginning, they're like, well, we don't know. There's rebels there. There's this, there's that. We're not yeah. sure if it's going to work. Plus, we got to get the Philippine Eagle Center to sign off on flying two of their birds. And it's got to go through the president. I mean, there are all yeah. these things that I'm like, one roadblock after I'm thinking, there's no way. I don't have there's, to go. Yeah, it is no not going to happen. It wasn't until we had to get all of our travel shots that I knew I was sunk. And, yeah. and I'm on my way to the Philippines. Well, so yeah. Joe was going for seven weeks. That's a long time to be gone. I mean, we've always had um, a lot of animals, ranches. We were, yeah, we were living here. Yeah. So we had more animals than we had ever had. And... Uh, so the time comes for Joe to go, and I was going to go two weeks later after him because the initial work that he would be doing just to um, it was just training. Yeah. Okay. And he, you know he didn't need a second person, um, so I felt like pinning this little note on Joe's shirt when he because <laughs> he's not a good traveler. No. no. <laughs> And, uh, you know, if lost, please return to... <laughs> Landing uh, in Nagasaka, yeah. Japan was a little yeah, overwhelming. Yeah, you know, it can be a little intimidating, but um, he made it. He and Neil um, met there and... Flew business class. Yep. Highly recommend. Nice. The bad thing about business class is you don't want to go back to where yeah. all the normal people are. Uh. <laughs> it ruins you. <laughs> Trust me. Oh. Yeah. No, it was, uh, it was an amazing experience. When you, uh, when you got there, you were under like a time crunch was I was reading the article. Um, yeah. Because they didn't want to send over the entire crew until I was able to train the birds because they didn't want those guys just sitting around. Yeah. And um, it went, I think I mentioned this to you earlier, it's not like I could have like look in a past NAFA journal or call <laughs> up Jimmy, my friends. You know, how did you fly your Philippine monkey because I'm not sure what's going on here. What weight? You know, you can't, there is nothing. Yeah. I think I'm only the second person to ever train and fly one. Um, there's been another one since. But anyway, it was a lot of guesswork, a lot of speculation. And what I did was, before I even got there, I put the birds on. There was a male and a female on a program to reduce their food intake by about 25%. They're so rare, I was really cognizant of the fact that... No one, neither one of these birds is going to die on my watch, you know. Yeah. So we put them on voriconazole. We did a lot of preventative things. Well, the thing I didn't realize and, and didn't factor in was the heat. I mean, it's hot there. Well, jungle birds just, I don't have to eat for three or four days. It's not going to bother me at all. Mm. So mm -hmm. when I got there, both eagles were just like, you know, they were pretty dialed into being fed by people, but not the way I needed them to be. And so there was a lot of days where I would go in and work with them. We had them on screen purchase and just leave and say, well, we'll see what happens tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And at some point, they came up with a, a cutoff day. If you don't feel the birds are trained well enough by this day, 
then the whole thing's off. And I remember telling Neil, because Neil is a falconer and was there helping me as well. I said, tomorrow, if we go in and I throw the lure down and they go for the lure, I got them. They're mine. Mm-hmm. It's on. But if nothing happens, it's over. So I went in and both birds went down and grabbed the lure. The male went down and grabbed it, and I was able to trade him off. The female went down and grabbed it, flew back on the, up in the perch and said, I'm not giving you anything. <laughs> and you're not going to be able to take it. Uh-huh. It was funny to add to the pressure when I, the day I got there. I didn't realize that the president of the Philippines had to sign off on the whole thing. Mm-hmm. When I got there, I went into Dennis um, Salvador. Salvador. And uh, he was a great guy, by the way, but I didn't know him. I was just, you know, sat there. And he was he's the head of the, head the of, Philippine yeah. Eagle Foundation. And he looks at me yeah. and goes, you've been highly recommended. A lot of people had to sign off on this. This better work. <laughs> and I was like, okay, well, wow. that turns the pressure up just a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> In fact, uh-huh. just last year, I think when that article I wrote, Queenie, Queen of the Jungle, Queenie, came yeah. out. Dennis read it. He loved it, by the way. Um, and he said, did I really say that? <laughs> yes, you did. And I will remember that till the day I die. Because that was like, oh, my God. But anyway, it was, uh, and then Cordy came over, Cordy and Chrissy. Our was, daughter came with us. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because yeah. I needed, you know, Neil is an experienced falconer, but he's going to be filming. So I needed, you know, people that if something goes wrong, I know I can count on to do certain things. And, of course, Cordy and, and Chrissy, our daughter, are that. Yeah. And so, um, you know. Well, and by by. When everything was said and done, we did fly the male loose in the jungle, completely loose, and he would leave Joe's fist, or Joe would be able to put him on a branch in a tree, and I would call him to the lure, um, and he was, it's like he enjoyed it, you know, he... he Pretty dialed in, yeah, could have flown bird anywhere. dialed in, and I, it got to the point where I think we filmed for five days in a row at the very end and every day like neil would say okay well i want him to land here and i would toss the lure right there and he just came in and got it i mean it got nice neil even he laid down on the ground we covered him with leaves and he had the camera and i (laughs) threw the lure right behind him so that imbolog was his name or chick 23 as they called him because he was the 23rd chick um, born at the foundation, mm-hmm. and he flew right over Neil's head and landed on the lure there. I mean, we could do anything with him, and he was completely loose. They had all this. Free. They had a shot list of stuff they wanted yeah. to get, and it involved flying down canyons and going all this place, and and not having any Philippine eagle experience. I said, well, you know, we might want to amend that a little bit because yeah. I have no idea. Well, no. as it turns out, I wish we had had another ten days because we yeah. could have soared that bird. That bird was so um, into what we were doing. Yeah. It was really cool. Plus, we realized he was a full-on imprint. Yeah, which they didn't even realize. And that bird had actually been, uh, he was five years old when we were there. And for two of those years, he had actually lived loose in the wild. Oh. And um, a huge problem in the Philippines is uh, lack of prey. Um, mm they only have 3% of their forest left. 
wow. 3%. Yeah. And it's, so you can imagine, I mean, everything is, is down. Prey animals are going extinct. This bird is going extinct. And um, where was I going? <laughs> oh, well, he, he was, had to be, he was found on a farm. Oh, right, yeah. Because he was eating that, farm animals. Yeah. I don't know what farm animals means. Probably dogs and cats. Dogs and cats. <laughs> I don't think or, he was eating cattle a, or anything. Or maybe a rooster. Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, but, yeah, so, and he was lucky in that the farm he went into was um, familiar with the Eagle Foundation and called them. Yeah. Mostly most people shot. would have oh, yeah. shot him. And that is also still a huge problem there, is um, just shooting them. So he was back in captivity, and while we were there, um, like Joe said, we realized he was full-on imprint, and they asked our advice about trying to release him again, and we, we uh, talked them out of that because he would have done the same thing again. Yeah. yeah. So now he's He's acting, a semen donor. Yeah, he is. He's a semen donor now, which... You know, at least he has a job. <laughs> He's not just He's employed. <laughs> no, he was such Good a health cool. coverage. Yeah, he was such a cool bird. I cried when we left. Yeah. He was. Aww. He was amazing. I mean, they both were, but we felt the, you know more of a connection with him because we did fly him loose. The female was so aggressive and um, never really was comfortable with being trained she just wanted to do things her own way yeah. and um it's a lot of bird it's a female. lot of bird and we just could not risk turning her loose um yeah you know because she, she you know Imbolog was just you know what do you want me to do next and well plus they had this, a monkey island there yeah there. um what is the macaques yeah long-tailed macaques Long, yeah and it's an island and they just live in there with no, they don't, you know, new room or anything. I mean, it's an actual colony. Yeah. And it's like, mm. it's really cool. They have massive trees. It's about as close to living in the wild as you can. Yeah. And, All ages, yeah. you know. But that yeah. was within eyesight of where this female um, Philippine eagle was, we were going to fly. And I said, she's going to go down there and kill a monkey. And, yeah. and Dennis is like, cool. I'd like to see that. <laughs> I go, yeah, but I'm the one that has to go in there yeah. and trade her off. And I'm not going on Monkey uh, Island. Monkey Island. <laughs> yeah. That would have yeah. been a mess. But uh, yeah. now nah, we, it was the thrill of a lifetime for us. And I think, you know, because for me, the Philippine eagle, the monkey eating eagle was always something I saw in my grainy kind of bird books, you know, and you'd yeah. see this kind of old picture of one doing something and mm -hmm. it looked like an alien from a different well, planet. You know? And yeah. until this last year, there had not been one single Philippine eagle released from the Philippines. They are not, not in any zoo. Only way that you're going to see a live bird is to go to the Philippines. Now, this last year, um, the Philippine government reached an agreement with Singapore, and yeah, there the are now a, there is now a pair living in the Singapore Zoo, which is a good thing because the entire captive breeding population in the Philippines is in one location. And that... It, so if they, a typhoon or yeah, something? Yeah, something blows through. They already oh, had to move it once because um, a typhoon blow, blew through and blew down trees, killed one of their um, mating, uh, male in a mating pair. Um, you know, so you, you run this huge risk of destroying 
that population, um, you know, because that and also at that time they didn't know how many uh, wild nests there still were. Mm -hmm. They're finding more, but uh, still, you know, very low numbers of birds. And uh, so they finally released a pair out of the country. So which is a good thing. Yeah, yeah that's great. Which is a good thing. And uh, you know, they had there were a lot of factors, um, but one was a suitable. Um, climate because mm -hmm. they are a jungle bird is San Diego for years tried to get a pair um, and I think that could probably work but even there you know you, you don't have that humidity and mm. um, it's, yeah. it's toasty over there well and there are <laughs> over 7,000 islands in the Philippines and the birds have always only lived on four of those islands Really? Yeah. yeah, it's amazing. So yeah. it's, I don't very, see why they couldn't yeah. introduce them to the other islands. Well, yeah. then, yeah, but then you're probably also displacing another species. That's okay. There's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of things to think about. <laughs> yeah, it's over our pay scale. Yeah. Uh, I was reading that um, you had, because of their stance is so wide, you had to adjust your glove because yeah. of the grip. Yes, <laughs> From the if you can imagine holding a bird that has, you know, one foot is on your wrist and the other foot is in the crook of your elbow and it has the ability to look all the way across and look into your walking <laughs> vest at what food you're pulling out is a little intimidating. I couldn't hood the bird because it, it, you can't because the head's up here and, yeah. you know, how do you get your teeth up there to close the hood? You can't. It just became <laughs> yeah. so problematic. So we just, I worked with them without the hood, which yeah. worked out fine. But uh, yeah, yeah the, Joe are, had to cut off um, part of another glove mm -hmm. and wear that up on his, on his um, upper arm. Yeah, because they have such long legs. They, yeah. not the female, the male, so the female would be worse, was squeezing my arm so bad through the glove, and I have a good eagle glove, Mike's falconry, by the way, <laughs> um, it was causing my um, arm to ooze because it, it was swelling up. Pinching the skin oh. like this. And so Cordy wrapped me with Coban to keep that from happening, which was, a, and this was early. When you first got there, I go, look at my arm. I don't think it, well, I, I told, told you I shouldn't have come. Yeah, <laughs> he told me about that, so I, I yeah. brought a bunch of this wrap with me and every day I'd use an entire roll and just wrap his arm and uh, that helped it did it, I mean, it made the a difference yeah otherwise I'd have gone home yeah. <laughs> yeah a lot of the times I've read in your articles that um like the birds will grab you and they'll test you and they'll try and show dominance on you right how many times have you been grabbed by a bird and like are you do you not flinch anymore is it <laughs> it still hurts yeah <laughs> um you know, like everybody, when you go to get, you know, get your skin looked at for skin cancer or whatever. When I first go to a new doctor, when we moved up here, the guy looks at my arm, you know, he's got the scope. Yeah. Are you in a motorcycle accident? <laughs> you have scars all over your arm. <laughs> no, uh, actually, I'm an eagle falconer. Um, I've been grabbed dozens of times. Some of them were, were pretty bad. Well, because, again, we get, you know, for a while we were getting insane eagles. And, you know, I will contend that an eagle is most dangerous when it's hooded because it's sitting there listening 
and not every hood foot fits well so they see something flash by and they're very quick with their feet hmm. and uh, i had one female sizable bird flew or flying weight was 11 pounds and she you know you read stories about eagles catching antelope or eating adult coyotes and and i know they do that but i don't think every eagle does that for sure this one looking at this one i went yeah okay you got the feet you could do that and she would lock down on my arm to where i thought she was going to break my wrist because it was it was just swollen all the way and i thought this is not fun and and she wouldn't stop in fact when she'd locked down the only way i could get her to stop is i'd take her over to the dog kennel and unhood her and the dogs would be barking and stuff and she'd like freak out and then let go <laughs> so what i did is i went to our, our children's doctor and i said hey put a cast on my arm and then we'll cut it down the so i you know i can yeah. slip my arm in and out and i covered it all up with duct tape so it wouldn't deteriorate and I slipped that under my glove, and it was tight, but it's... Uh -huh. And I said, okay, now squeeze. And, you know, I picked her up, boom, boom, just squeeze. But there was no reaction for me. I guess she couldn't yeah. feel my muscles twitching or anything. She just stopped. Yeah. It was kind of anticlimactic. <laughs> just, that's okay, fine, whatever. She wasn't getting the reaction no, she wanted. No, no, Yeah. So it wasn't fun anymore. You know? uh -huh. <laughs> for her. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Wow, that's interesting. Um, I wanted to talk about you guys working with TV so often and uh, looking back at all of the stuff that you filmed, and I'm sure there were enjoyable moments and ups and downs, and um, just kind of an overall view of what your experiences were trying to film for National Geographic or Nat Geo. And yeah, we've worked for a lot of them. First of all, we don't get paid for any of that. You can't get paid for native species particularly eagles, Fish and Wildlife tends to get a little upset about eagles. You can recover your costs, mm -hmm. you know, gas, food, and all that. But when it comes to the eagle part, you cannot charge for a golden eagle. So in all the dozens and dozens of stuff we've done, um, never been paid. No. So nothing under the table. <laughs> <laughs> nothing. No, we've been very, and we've always gotten prior permission. So we've been very diligent about yep. that so that every there's no question because we've done a lot and there are a lot of people that think that we're just you know making bank off of what we do but we do it i think because it's fun it's fun yeah. to see the end product but it's also i think we have input into what the eagle's doing on camera to make sure that it's not some stupid you know oh let's put him in a halloween outfit or you know can't yeah. do that and plus yeah. That's one of the requirements. I mean, Fish and Wildlife says the eagle can only do naturally occurring behaviors. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So well, that's and mo and most of the, or probably all of the projects we've worked on are all based on education and conservation. So for us, that's enough reason to do it. Yeah. Um, yeah, and we've, we've we've turned down a lot of stuff. Yeah, yeah, we have. Is there anyone that you wouldn't work with again? Like you had a bad experience working with someone? Certain? I wouldn't I say a bad experience. Some no. of them have been kind of a pain in the neck. You know, I mean, we've been fortunate yeah. that we've worked with great cinematographers. Um, the one we've worked with the most is Neil. Um, they have all been pretty, I guess, the most annoying 
one in a sense <laughs> was um, when we did Sagebrush C only because they had a, um, what was even his title? Oh, the PA, production assistant. Yeah, and he... Um, we won't name him, but he no. was highly annoying. But he, he had these visions of being on this project and being able to shoot B-roll film and blah, blah, blah. So half of the time he was running off doing that and um, not fulfilling his job. and um, Arguing with you on how to hood a bird. Yeah, that wow. didn't go well. <laughs> yeah, okay. he was like, eh, this is not going to go well. No, yeah, uh -huh. he was arguing with yeah. me. Oh, well. But anyway, no, and he... Um, We've just had mostly... Can your eagle do this? Can you do yeah. that? Well, you know, but most of the, almost all of them have been, oh, okay. You mm -hmm. know, because probably the hardest thing a lot of times is um, to get the cinematographers or producer or whatever to understand that just because you've gotten your shot, you, you can't jump up and cheer or whatever because the eagle's still loose mm -hmm. and has no equipment on because they don't want any equipment on them. And Joe still has to go pick up the bird, you know, and yeah. if you, and that was this one guy, same guy on this one project, he would just leap in the air and he. Well, because, yeah, yeah. because what happens is eagles, at least ours, most of them, most golden eagles are pretty shy, like I already said, and you don't want to attract their attention to the camera yeah. or to strange people. So, you know, when the shot is done, just, you know, chill. Let me get the bird. Let yeah. me reward the bird. Don't let me talk. get the hood on. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah. everything's fine. But yeah. if you start, you know, flopping around and, and you know, moving cameras, yeah. our eagles are pretty much veterans in that. But in the early days, it was a big deal. Well, yeah. even now, if there was something really sudden or yeah. loud, they'd yeah. be gone. You know, yeah. and, and yeah. Uh, a lot of people don't realize that and you know you kind of have to explain it and we were doing some nat geo shooting shoot in kansas and chrissy came out with us and cordy had to go home and chrissy came out and was staying with me and helping me with the eagles and jackhammer they always want no jesses or cuffs and so it's jack eagles are funny particularly ones that are experienced at hawking off the fist if they think that this field's not going to produce, they're going to go to another field. I mean, they'll, you can pick them up and go there with them, but mm -hmm. a bird that has, you have no control over, Jackhammer's getting bored in this field, but it had the perfect <laughs> scene they wanted. Yeah. And so <laughs> I kept bringing them back, bringing them back, and I'd flush a rabbit once in a while, but then Jackhammer just went, and, and the <laughs> director asked, or the producer asked Chrissy, What's happening now? And Chrissy looked at him and said, your day's over. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, but then we had tornadoes and everything. So. so how long would it take you guys to shoot, like, what they wanted? It depends on what they want. Usually, yeah. you know, like when Neil came out and did a, they're doing this thing called Prairie Dog Manor, and they needed a close-up of an eagle catching a prairie dog and flying off with it. Mm -hmm. So they, they found two roadkill prairie dogs, froze them, and, and um, shipped them, shipped them out to us. Uh -huh. <laughs> so we got them in the mail. And 
right up where we flew Widow. Now this is supposed this is in North Dakota, but right up where we flew flew Widow, Neil found a spot and there was a, a badger hole there, but it looked like an old prairie dog thing. And we I tacked down the the uh, frozen prairie dog. It was thawed out by this time, and all I did was back up the hill, took all the cuffs off of Widow, had the hood on. And Neil's like, okay. And I just pulled the hood off. She's looking around. I said, oh, there's food. Flew down. It was on the prairie dog. And then I just walked past her and threw the lure out. And she's such a pig. She just brought the prairie dog out of <laughs> film, out of frame, into the, onto the lure. Yeah. Done. Yeah. That's all you know? Neil needed. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, and truthfully, a lot of what they want is... Um, you know, we just kind of release a bird, and <laughs> right. yeah. I mean, we so have well very, trained. yeah. <laughs> but you know, honestly, you don't have a lot of control, especially if they're not wearing any cuffs or, or you know, jesses. And yeah. the, the people think, oh, that was great, and How'd we you get really the bird didn't to do that. We didn't really do <laughs> anything. <laughs> you know, like and, in Sagebrush Sea, remember? Yeah. Um, Mark, the director, wanted uh, Widow to fly back and forth, and it's beautiful slope soaring. And I just turned her loose, and she did it. And then he said, well, can she fly past the camera this way? So I would walk over, flash the lure to her, and she'd come over, hey, what are you doing? You know. Yeah. So it's just simple things like that. I mean, yeah. our birds are not trained actors in the sense that they're going to you know, go pick up a Pepsi bottle and fly. <laughs> yeah. They don't do that. Yeah. They no. act like wild eagles. Yeah. So it's, a big, it's a lot easier. Well, and then some things they want a bird just fly from point A to point B. So Joe's at one end, and I'm at the other, and they just yeah, you know. And it's it's almost all of it is um, just flying to the lure. Yeah, because you, you can have the lure out of frame, and um, well, like the Philippine eagle. I mean, he did everything just because he was looking for the lure. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I asked you guys this earlier, and I hope you don't mind me asking again. Um, your most interesting animal that you guys have had. I know you guys have horses, you have eagles, falcons. Yeah. And your. Well, I think flower is the one. Yeah, she's she was the most unique. She uh, was a turkey vulture, and do you want to tell it or? Well, at the time we lived in California, I was raising a lot of exotic birds, macaws, cockatoos, and we had more than 300 pairs. So it was a big operation, and I had an incubator full of all kinds of eggs. Well, we had, we had a friend that on Lake Comanche, which is the lake right above where we lived, would scour that lake in her party boat, and her and her buddies thought that that was their lake, and they would pick up trash and do all kinds of stuff. Yeah. And she was... and I. <laughs> I, there's tons of ospreys up, not tons, but there's a lot of ospreys up there. So one of the things Jeannie wanted to do was rid Lake Comanche of carp. Mm-hmm. Carp just drove her nuts. <laughs> and so she would chum them with dog food and then gaff them. <laughs> okay. <You know>? <laughs> <laughs> Normal practice. Yeah. I said, well, what are you doing with the gaffed ones? She goes, we just put them in a bucket and throw them. I said, throw them back out for the ospreys. You know, they'll... If it's still flopping around on the surface, they'll come get. So they started doing that. They thought yeah. it was the greatest. So anyway, we kind of <laughs> built this relationship, and they'd come by and tell us their exploit. Well, Lake Comanche was very low one year, 
And there's a lot of turkey vultures up there. And this one pair had nested in this crack. It's all sandstone down in this crack. Well, they were rise, raising the level of the Yeah, it was lake. right in the bank of right. the lake that on normal years would have been hidden by water. Right. Okay. So yeah. this year the water level was so low that they found this hole and that's where they chose to nest. And Jeannie and her friend saw the turkey yeah. vulture go in there, crawled up in there and peered in and saw two eggs. Clearly they were going to get flooded out within yeah. days. And so they came running to us in a panic, <laughs> wanted to take the eggs and wanted us to put them in the incubator. And I said, Jeannie, I've got like 15 grand worth of paraday. I'm not going to put in a, a turkey vulture. Yeah. I'm sorry. So this is the best we can do. If they hatch, we'll come get the babies. We'll send them. We know a rehabber. We can send them to. Mm. And I thought that's it. I'll never get them. Well, sure enough, here they come. Oh my God, the babies have hatched, and they had just hatched. Yeah. They still had the egg tooth on them, and so they take us up there in their party boat. <laughs> it's really stupid on our part because. Lake Comanche is covered with rattlesnakes. With rising water, snakes are going to be displaced. They're yep. going to go in all kinds of places like that nest. Well, I never even thought of that. So anyway, I, get, I had to get on my belly and crawl down. And I, sandstones can co collapse at any moment. There's a lot of stupid things about this thing yeah. that I never considered. Well, and and I'm it, in, was way, it, it was way down there. Way I'm in there, there as far as I can be. And then it was getting too tight for me. So... They had they hand me their gaff, and there's these two little turkey vultures down there. And Cordy crawls in over top of me because I'm going to hand her the babies because I, I can't do it. I'm kind of, the space is too tight. I start rolling the first one. And if you know anything about turkey vultures, even if you catch an adult, first thing you do is throw up. And it looks like guacamole. It's, it's And no. it is. Stinks. I mean, the gag reflex is immediate. Well, these babies were being fed rotten carp. The carp. The carp, yeah. 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 So, <laughs> so that's coming yeah. back to bite us. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, I'm rolling the little guy as gently as I can. I pick him up, and he starts to, he's doing this, and he's kneading his crop, and he's getting ready to puke. <laughs> and I'm recognizing this behavior. So what does he do? I hand <laughs> it to Cordy. back to me. And I hear Cordy go, boom. <laughs> God, it's, it stinks. So we Ugh. got them both out. I talked the rehabbers in because we were marshaled under their license. Let us raise one, and they could raise one. Well, theirs perished because apparently they didn't read the books, and turkey vultures need a lot of water in their diet anyway. So we raised flour and just left her loose around the property. Mm -hmm. And she'd come visit us when we'd eat outside and bite me in the leg and bite everybody. And, and Well, she would get right on the table outside and and sift through the food yeah. on your plate. And um, if we yelled at her, uh, to, you know, and shoot her away, she would get all red in the face. She was mad. And she would fly about 10 feet away and just stand there with her back to you. And, and <laughs> If you walked and up, tried to walk around her, she'd <laughs> yeah. just keep no, turning just her keep back. No, nope, I don't have anything nope. to do with you. I'm not talking to you. And <laughs> well, the thing is, interesting. there's a lot of interesting things about turkey vultures, but they can poop on their individual feet which I didn't realize. I was holding her one day, and she went, pooped on this leg, and it ran down on her feet. A little well, while and, and later, they do it. she pooped on the other leg. I thought, that's... They do that to weird. cool down or something? Yeah. yeah. Cool down, and also the acid of the poop protects their feet a little bit from being on 
yucky carcasses. Oh, interesting. Yeah. No, they, they're, they're a funny bird. Huh. But my first thought was, oh, this is cool. I can feed her all the scraps from the raptors. I had falcons and eagles. I got, you know, pigeon wings and stuff. Nope. She would go through them all, <laughs> pick them up. If they were very light and had no weight to them. Dried out, yeah. Oh, she wanted. She was very particular. Yeah. I tried to fly her and train her, and that didn't go over well. She didn't, <laughs> she didn't buy that. But yeah, one day she just, you know, there's a lot of turkey bulls around there, and it's you're soaring with them, and then uh, she just kind of didn't come back one day. We had her for like. We had her a couple of years. A couple of years, yeah. 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 She was flower. cool. <laughs> and before she she actually ended up coming back with a mate yeah and that was well uh, yeah a turkey vulture was falling well out. yeah we we assume it was a mate we, we choose to believe that yes she was probably given at the cold shoulder yeah right. <laughs> <laughs> making Nailed a chase what's the matter with this bird but she used to you know before the end there, when she, you know, finally left for good, um, she would fly with this whole group of turkey vultures and she would kind of dip down lower, you know, over yeah. our house and you could call her and she'd look down at you and... Circle down. Yeah. yeah. No, there was always 50 or more she, turkey uh, vultures hanging around. She Funny. had so much personality and was wow. so smart. Hmm. They're so smart. Yeah. What, what is... Um, sorry to cut you off. Um, what is your guys' favorite birds, both of you, in, that you've had in your career? If you had to pick. Boy. Of any bird? Mm -hmm. Not it doesn't have to be your bird. It could be any bird. It could be something you trained, someone I'm else's. Still, I still like citizens. Galahs, rose-breasted cockatoos. Yeah, I was going to say a galah. We have if a I, friend over in Bend. They have two of them flying free. Yeah, if I, if I was to, at this point... Um, have a bird in the house or you know as a pet i would have a galah a rose-breasted cockatoo they're pretty cool bird they're um pepto-bismol pink yeah yeah they're oh yeah pink you gotta look you've never you don't they're you gotta so get out in the world cool. man come I, on i don't know all the birds <laughs> i'm not an atkinson <laughs> it's, it's an australian cockatoo and yeah. they're gorgeous they really we they're raised gorgeous them. and they're they're, they have just the sweetest temperament you know, they mm -hmm. like to be scratched and and uh, cuddled. And they're like a giant cockatiel. Yeah. Okay. You know. Yeah. Physically, they look the same, but anyway. But that would be that would be way up on my. On my yeah, list. that was the the one I thought of. Um, you guys don't have enough room here for one more bird, or? Well. <laughs> no. <laughs> How many of, acres you on again? Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh shoot, we have. So many animals to take care of already. The, the, yeah, the no, thing about someday I'd like to have one. Having one, yeah. I'd like to free fly because they do that you know, naturally. But the goshawks might have a little something yeah. to say about that. We get a lot oh. of goshawks over here. Yeah, so, they, they call our, our pigeon population <laughs> every year. A lot of pressure on the pigeons. Yeah. <clears throat> no, and another, you know, an African gray parrot because mm -hmm. they, they can talk so well. When Joe was raising all of those um, citizens, there we had a, an African gray, and wasn't there a double yellowhead that mimicked Joe? Yeah. Well, mimicked anything that they heard consistently. And it got to the point where they would mimic me calling Joe from the house. Uh -huh. And Joe would come to the house, you know, <laughs> what do you need? Well, I said, I didn't call you. There was like, you know, 
dozens and dozens of pairs of everything you can, all kinds of Amazon. So the noises, and all of a sudden I'd hear Joe. You know, <laughs> and I'm thinking, oh, that sounds like Cordy. I walk up, you know, yeah. or yeah. they do the. She finally we got to we a got a captain's bell, bell little yeah. ship's bell, ding ding ding, and they were doing that. They, they were call, calling the they dogs. Called the dogs. It was, <laughs> it was pretty fun. We had a smooth coat uh, fox terrier rascal, yep. and they drove him nuts. Yep. They'd whistle like me. Mm. Rascal was just like, okay, where is he? Where is he? <laughs> <laughs> Poor guy. So so, so they were a lot of fun. Yeah. yeah. I have I have one more question before we'll wrap up. Okay. Um, you guys have pretty much lived your most of your life in falconry. What does falconry mean to you, and what do you get from it? Why don't you go first? I think for me, I'm, I'm not a hunter. Um, my work, what I've done with falconry has been primarily the rehab because mm -hmm. I, I get such satisfaction about knowing that I've given a bird, a golden eagle, a better chance to survive. But I think the whole, for me, it's just going out into the country, um, being out in nature, you see the lizards, you see the horned lizards, you see snakes, um, antelope, you know, just being out there interacting with, with wildlife and nature and watching these birds' behavior to me is amazing. I mean, we still learn new things about their behavior. And, you know, for us, you know, especially going back to that first eagle we had, it's been a learning process for us um, as well, doing the work that we do. And I think the way it has all evolved and the knowledge that we have gained um, just by observing is something that even a, even a falconer that's just hunting with a bird um, doesn't see as much, I think, as, as we do when we're sitting out on a hillside with a young bird and, you know, you can sit there for a couple of hours and, and watch it trying to fly and catch a thermal and all. And um, I think for me, it's that interaction that, um, yeah, that's the most enjoyable for me is mm -hmm. falconry. Huh. Well, one of the things that I enjoy about falconry is through my entire life, I've always been around birds, had birds, and I just simply like to watch birds fly. Uh, I never get tired of that. I also, you know, I hunt sage grouse with long wings, jeers, and hybrids. It's the whole experience about you know, bringing it all together, like you saw today. The dogs are doing their job. The eagle's doing their job. That is a beautiful thing to me. You know, looking for sage grouse is is 50% of the fun. Watching your dog work, you know, getting that flight. I mean, to me, that's, that's a big part of it, and being out in nature. And I think young falconers have to understand that, you know, one of the problems in the U.S. is we think everything's unlimited. We've got unlimited ground, we've got unlimited game, but we really don't. I mean, there, I know that there's a very sharp decline in a lot of areas of jackrabbits, as an example. And so I believe that falconers need to be the stewards of wildlife. You know, we need to, we need to, you know, look out for each other. If you see some 
guy doing something stupid with a, with a falcon or a raptor, whatever it is. I think the falconry community needs to say, you know what, that's not cool. That's not the message. Falconry is not a, it's not a right. You know, it, it, it's a pleasure mm-hmm. to be taken away, you know. And so, you know, when you combine all of that, I, I hope that, that people, new falconers, understand that it's the experience, like Cordy was saying, seeing raptors pursue game and, and all of the difficulties that a, a particular bird has to go through just to be successful to catch something to eat. That's, you know, those are the things that very few people get to see. We know biologists that have come out with us and said, you know, I just saw an eagle or a falcon catch something, and I've been a biologist my whole life. I've never seen that. Mm-hmm. You know, so the falconry community has a window into the lives of these raptors that very few people get to experience. And I don't think that's something you need to take lightly. I think it's very important, yeah. you know, to walk into the field and strive to fly your bird highest level you know you may not catch something but that's okay the, yeah. the, the, the goal is is to fly have a great flying bird and great game to hunt and and have respect for the land yeah um, mm-hmm. that you're on and respect for the other wildlife that's there it's not about um, slaughtering stuff no it just isn't and i get very annoyed when people oh, I want to go kill a bunch of stuff with my bird no you're going out to have a beautiful experience Take that for what it is. It's not about yeah. how many you can put in the bag. I yeah. kind of got off topic. <laughs> that's okay. That's what yeah. I feel. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Well, that's good. I, I really appreciate you guys coming. If you guys um, want to see more about um, Joe Atkinson uh, and his wife, you can go to Joe Atkinson's EagleJournal.com. He has DVDs, and I'll also put a list of the videos that you know were filmed with his uh, raptors, so you guys can check those out too. And, uh, yeah, we got a lot of great information here about things I never knew of, knew about eagles and, uh, what was the, what was flower again? She was turkey vulture. Turkey vulture yeah. behavior. Yeah. <laughs> no, nothing of There's that. Something else. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you coming out here. It's yes. been a lot of fun. Great. We'll do it yeah. again. Well, thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. yeah. Well, that's it. We're all done. Thanks for listening, guys. That does it for this podcast. If you want to hear more. We're on YouTube, we're on Facebook, and we're on Instagram. Just do that key search, Authentic Falconer, and tag us on any of your posts. We'd love to follow along on your experiences and your journeys. Buy some merchandise at AuthenticFalconer.com if you want to support the channel. And hopefully, we'll see you on the next one. Have a great day.